One day, maybe years from now, you're going to tell a story about this season in life. Maybe you'll tell a story you're proud of. Maybe you won't. Because sometimes you have to keep going when you'd rather give up. Sometimes you have to stay when you'd rather leave. My story, I decided to stay. I don't know about you, but I love her. <laughs> she just makes me feel so warm. <laughs> Reminds me of my grandmother from southeastern Oklahoma. She's great. Um, really glad you're here this morning. We're on part three of a series we launched on Easter Sunday we've called My Story. Each week of the series is centered on decisions we can make to live a, a, a life story with a new trajectory because the decisions we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. Here's a brief overview of the series. Uh, part one, I decided to start. We looked at, on Easter, we looked at how Jesus can be the author of the story of our lives, if we'll allow him. And it takes on a new trajectory, both here and now and on into eternity. Part two, last week, I decided to stop. The way it works in this world, to make real progress in life uh, and to have a story we want to tell, we have to stop doing counterproductive things and ways of thinking. And today, we're looking at I Decided to Stay as... Uh, Grandma introduced us <laughs> this morning to the topic, and I'm going to address the fact that often we need to stay under pressure to reach God's goals for us, and next week we're going to wrap it up with I Decided to Go. Have you ever been in a season of life? Now, this, this is probably a Captain Obvious question, potentially. Have you ever been in a season of life where you wanted to quit something important? You knew it mattered, uh, and you you were just, I want to quit right now. Or have you quit because it's been difficult or something you no longer want to deal with? This is just too much. I'm just done. Um, I spent one semester at Baylor University in Texas, and Decided after that not to stay in Waco, Texas at Baylor University. That was a really good decision. But in the process of deciding to come back home to Riverside to go to Cal California Baptist College, I dropped two classes that I was failing. Well, one I had a D, and one was a freshman English class. And if you failed one of the last four essays in that class, you failed the class. And so I failed the first one. <laughs> and um, I thought, okay, writing's on the wall, I'm done. I'm just going to back on out of here, quit. Uh, the problem was I caved in, and I probably could have gone to the teacher to get some extra help. I could have done more to save the 
the trouble of dropping and the cost because it was very costly in terms of money for my parents, which didn't unfortunately didn't matter to me at the time. <laughs> it should have. Um, I was 17, so in in that world, I was a spoiled brat and didn't didn't land on me the way it should have. But mo- more so, really quitting. And walking away cost me a great deal of self-respect. It's something, I put myself in a hole that I had to start crawling out of over time. And so, you, you might find yourself in a place like that. I had all kinds of excuses in my mind. I worked it out logically why I should quit, you know, drop those classes and just walk away. Uh, but... Deep down, I knew I could have worked harder, I could have done more, I could have worked it out, likely, uh, if I would have put in the effort, but I, was, it was, I dropped it cold. Now, you may be in a circumstance right now where there's a strong pull to bill out because of the pressure you're under in some arena of life. Maybe your job is miserable. Um, your boss might be extremely difficult to please. You, you dread waking up. Uh, tomorrow's Monday, you might dread that day. Uh, You you dread going to work every morning, and there's a strong pull to just be done. Uh, In in parenting, we we love the kids, but wow, there's, there's a whole stretch of raising children where it is extremely difficult, taxing, and you just got to choose to endure it. Uh, now, you're not going to leave your kids. You wouldn't do that, but you, you check out mentally and emotionally at times. Just, okay, I'm going to leave them to themselves, see what happens. Maybe your marriage is on rocky ground. Maybe it's shaky, and you don't want to do the hard work to make it good. It would, it would require some changes, some, some things that you would need to do differently. A friendship could be going south, could be sour, and... Friend is being hard to love, and you just, you're not sure you can keep doing it uh, because it's just, you're in danger of getting bitter toward them. All of this is normal. This is how life works, in this world anyway. Uh, there are many aspects of life that weigh on us like this, and it can seem easier to quit and hit the eject button and just Get out of the situation. I'm just going to bail out. I just want to be done. But often, the best decision you can make is to stay when it would be easier to go. I want to share one of my favorite stories from the Old Testament part of the Bible today. Uh, it's a story about uh, two, uh, two ladies, particularly, that were in a very difficult, three really, um, but, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm trying to explain too much. Just three ladies, one of them leaves, no, no wrong done there, but two of them stay in a very difficult situation, one particularly, and <clears throat> the decision to stay for our hero, Ruth, ends up being a very difficult decision. Makes it harder on her than it needed to be. And so we're going to look at Ruth's story worth telling again. 
story begins with Naomi um, and two daughters-in-law. So three women, Orpah was one of those, uh, and Ruth, who's our hero of the story, our heroine. You, you can read the whole story in the book of Ruth. It's a very quick read. Um, but I want to set up some of the background so you can get a sense of the difficulty they were going through. In Naomi and Ruth's world, a husband's death was tragic, severely so, because women weren't free when their husband died. They just, they just couldn't go out and find work to cover. They couldn't go to the mall and get, uh, get some work there or do, do something to, to make ends meet. So they were practically women when their husband died in this day and age that we're looking at, they were practically unemployable. Uh, so the death of a husband or father would reduce them to the status of lower than a slave. They would become a beggar. That's, that's what would happen. So the Bible tells us in the book of Ruth of three untimely deaths. First of all, Naomi, the mother-in-law of the two ladies I mentioned, her husband died. And then, after the loss of her husband, her sons died. The husbands of Orpah and Ruth, they died, tragically. This left Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, without husbands and, like I said, in a state of needing to beg. For their their food, um, Naomi, the mother-in-law, kindly looks to her daughters-in-law's in- interests and makes this statement. She tells them, and this was normal practice in this day, to do what she's suggesting: go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. So hopefully you go find another husband in your homeland. They were both Moabites. They were from Moab. And so they were, they were not a part of Naomi's clan, her tribe, her people. And so she's saying, go back home and find some husbands so you can be taken care of. And uh, so she says... Um, The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Oh, I already read that, sorry. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. So this is an emotional time for them. They Obviously, Orpah and Ruth have a great relationship with their mother-in-law, and this is is a very difficult time. Orpah took the option to go back. So Orpah goes back to her original family. To her people, no shame in doing that. That was the norm. That was how it usually worked. It was the easy thing to do. It was the logical thing to do, and it made sense. But Ruth decided to stay. It would have been much, much easier for her to go back to her people. Um, Naomi tried to talk her out of it again. This is what she said, Ruth one fifteen. 
See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Go with her. Follow her. Catch up with her. Go back. And then Ruth replies in verse 16, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. She decides... You know what? Your family. And I'm choosing your God, and I've decided that he's the one true God. I'm committing to him, and I'm committing to you. I'm staying right here. Even though it makes perfect sense to go, I'm deciding to stay. Ruth's decision to stay added a tremendous amount of pressure to her life. This was a very difficult decision, but Naomi was older, and out of kindness to her mother-in-law, she decided to stay, and she would take care of her. There's a core lesson here from her example, and you can see it on the listening guide. Uh, When I decide to stay, God can work for me, he can work in me, and he can work through me. If I don't decide to stay, none of that happens. But if I decide to stay, God can work for me, in me, and through me. First of all, God works for me. When I decide to endure and stay in a situation where I'm trying to reach a goal that he, he wants me to go for and in a, in a circumstance that's difficult, but it, it, it would honor him to stay there. Ruth had no way of knowing how this decision to stay would bring God's blessing on her and the generations that followed. She had no way of knowing that when she made that decision. At first, her life became incredibly difficult, very, very difficult. Ruth, Ruth became a little lower than a slave. She, she was a beggar. And what she would do is, she would go out into the grain fields to look for food for her and Naomi. This was the way it worked in those days. So they would go out to the fields. They would follow behind the workers who were harvesting the grain. And then they would pick up the leftovers. And then they would take it home and make their food. This was normal practice. Um, there was this rich guy, Boaz. I think that's a cool name, Boaz. Um, probably wouldn't name my son that, but I do think that's cool. So he owned the fields that she would go to. Uh, Ruth went into his fields after the workers had done the first pickings, and if they left any, she she got to eat. If they didn't, she she and Naomi didn't eat. So this is the state she was in. And out in the field, horrible things would happen to Women, stranger women, women that weren't normally there. And so Boaz, this amazing guy, has compassion on Ruth. He, 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 He says this, Boaz said to Ruth in Ruth 2, 8, and 9, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. So he had women out there working. He said, stay close to my women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? So he's protecting her. 
from sexual assault. And when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. So not only does he do this, but in another part of Ruth, you find out that he said, hey, guys, guys, drop a little extra for Naomi and Ruth so that they can have enough to, to eat, so that they could be okay. So Boaz takes this action to protect her, to provide water for her while she works, and then tells his men to leave some extra for her. So he's showing tremendous kindness. And Ruth asks a question that we'd all want to be answered. Why have I found favor? In verse 10, why have I found favor in your eyes? She fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? She's not from his tribe. She's a Moabite. Very, very different. They're they're enemies. So why have you done this? Here's Boaz's explanation. Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me, spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Boaz had heard Ruth's story. He admired her loyalty. And what we don't know from the passages I read is he was related to Naomi. They they were relatives. And so that's how he heard the story. It kind of went through the family. They started sharing, hey, wow, Ruth had every reason to go back to her people, to her home, but she stayed to take care of Naomi. And so God provided Boaz, uh, who protected her and provided the extra food for them. At this point in the story, neither Ruth or Boaz realized how big the reward would be for both of them and for the generations to follow. The reward that began with Ruth deciding to stay in a very difficult situation. Now, I'm going to hit the fast-forward button, you know, eight times fast-forward. You know, you're watching the DVR, and you hit it a bunch of times, and <laughs> takes off. So I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. You could read all the details in Ruth itself. Uh, but through a series of unusual events, Boaz marries Ruth. He's slightly older than her, but he marries her. And suddenly, this young lady, who has no future whatsoever, in making this faithful decision to stay, now she's one of two women who had books of the Bible named after her. We, we're telling her story today. That's a story you want to tell. God worked all of this out. Um, God worked for Ruth. Because she chose to stay faithful and remain. Sometimes the greatest act of faith is to stay where you're planted right now. When we choose to be faithful to a person or to an assignment and ultimately to God, he works for us. 
He, he provides. I've seen this over and over again in my own life. It's important to note that Ruth didn't stay hoping that God would bless her. That wasn't what she was saying. Hey, I'm going to stay, and at some point God's going to really come through, and I'm going to be blessed. She stayed because she believed it was the right thing to do. She stayed to, out of loyalty and love for her mother-in-law. And God blessed her because she did what was right. This is the, we get, we get the whole picture, but boy, when she decided to stay, she was putting added pressure on herself. All of us, at some point in our lives, we come to a crossroad, and we're gonna have to make a decision. Should, should I stay the course when it would be easier to leave? Should I hang in there, or should I leave? And the decision you make at that moment of time will determine the story you tell on into the future. God works for us when we stay and do his will when it would be easier to give up. When I decide to stay, God also works in me. When you decide to follow Christ and live aligned with his ways... It requires a major overhaul in your thinking, and the way he does that is through the Scripture. He, we read the Scripture, and it changes the way we think. And if we allow it to, uh, it, it changes our minds on many, many things. And you learn the key ways that God works in life and how to cooperate with him as you go, go through life. One of the core truths that you learn in the Scripture is that when I endure trouble, God works in me. He not only works for me, but he works in me. When I choose to endure trouble, there's an opportunity in endurance, in staying, that I would miss if I didn't stay. If I squirmed out from under the pressure, and we squirm. (laughs) I mean, I don't know about you, but when I'm under pressure, I squirm. I'm squirming. But if I move out from under the pressure, and it's not the right thing to do, then I miss an opportunity. If I stay under it, God has the opportunity to work in me. To build a story that I can tell that glorifies him and turns out to be good for me. He can work to build character in me if I stay under the pressure to do his will. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials, trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In in the Greek, this was originally written in the Greek language. In the Greek, that word steadfastness. It's an incredibly value, valuable character trait. But it it literally means to remain under. So the idea is to stay under the pressure that comes as you deal with trouble and trials in life. 
And then you see, if I stay under the pressure, God uses it to produce steadfastness, and it has its full effect, and he, he makes me, he, he's working toward completing the, what he started when I decided to follow Christ. In my experience, here's what I've discovered. The amount of pressure I experience in a given situation or circumstance is in direct proportion to the significance of the goal that God wants me to accomplish in that. So it, it, it matches up. You know, there's, if there's a tremendous amount of pressure, there's a tremendous goal God wants me to accomplish here. And so what happens is, uh, as we work on a marriage, as we get married, as we begin to try to learn how to relate to each other, there's a tremendous amount of pressure there because there's so much at stake in learning to relate to each other rightly. And so there, there's pressure in, in a marriage in direct proportion to the, the importance of the goal. Same thing in parenting. Wow, how important is it to get married, to really enjoy each other in the marriage, and, and then to have kids and raise those kids to follow God and to make a difference with their lives? How important is that? Well, there's going to be the same amount of pressure in doing those things as it is relates to the importance of the goal. This is how it is. There's, there's a direct connect. Same with ministry. Same with friendships, encouraging friendships, walking with God, sharing our faith, uh, important projects at work. You know, those are probably different levels uh, of pressure and different kinds of pressure, but they, they match up, you know. So we have to guard our expectations and watch out for the big setup. And let me explain what I mean by the big setup. In the arenas of life that matter deeply to us, we tend to run a sort of video in our minds of the way we think they're going to go before you get married. You know, you have, you have one picture of how that's going to look and how it's going to be. And... It doesn't include the kind of pressure that you begin to experience when your world collides with somebody else's and you're hanging out all the time. So, but we have, that's not the picture we have. Same in parenting. Hey, I'm going to have kids. And the part we, we run in our mind is coming home from work or seeing them, you know, they run to us, they give us a big hug and it's awesome. That's awesome. As a grandparent, it's a beautiful thing. I have grandkids that run to me, give me a hug, and I can send them home with their parents. And they can deal with the pressure. <laughs> it's, all their, it's all their trouble. <laughs> Grandparenting is great. Um, but anyway, sorry, I got off track there. I'm just really struggling with staying on track today. Um, but anyway, that's kind of what we do to ourselves. We set ourselves up. Because in actuality, 
There's, there's trouble in marriage. Everybody struggles. There's trouble in parenting kids. They have a mind and a will of their own. They go their own way. When we try to share our faith, there's going to be trouble and pushback. It's going to be a fight. When a project hits a bog, it can derail. It's, it, we get discouraged and we're tempted to bail out if we don't expect this, if we don't brace ourselves for the trouble that's coming. So the Bible's very clear about the trouble that is experienced in life and how we need to expect the amount of pressure to match the significance of the goal. A good marriage really honors God. He designed it. Parenting is very close to his heart because he wants the next generation to be blessed by their parents. And so we're going to squirm out from under the pressure unless we understand the importance of the goal and how we should expect the pressure to be there. Only by staying do I give God the opportunity to work in me and to strengthen and change my character. Often what we do under the pressure is we hit the pause button. If, if you don't understand how all this works, you hit the pause button on praying, reading the Bible, attending church, connecting with Christian friends who could really encourage you in your faith as you deal with life. We think, you know, I'll just wait it out. I, you know, I, 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 I'm just going to let the trouble blow over and then I'm going to get back to those things. But it's these very things that God uses to strengthen you. This is, these are the things that he, he uses to build you up, to give perspective, to give encouragement, to provide hope. And I just want to make sure you understand, I'm not suggesting that you stay in any abusive circumstance or where God's boundaries are crossed. But in normal circumstances, there's always pressure added to life. God doesn't want to stay in abusive situations, but he wants us to stay when the pressure comes. And that's when God wants what God can work in us. He, he can work for us. He can work in us. In the normal situations where there's not abuse, where God's boundaries are not being crossed, if we stay, he can work. If we bail out, he can't. Finally, when I decide to stay, God can also work through me. If you're a Christ follower, Jesus is your ultimate example. You're following him. Our theme verse for this series reveals the truth that God can work through us to bless others if we endure and stay. Hebrews 12, 2 through 3. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The amount of pressure Jesus endured was incredible on the cross. It matched the significance of what he was doing. Nobody on the face of the earth has experienced that kind of pressure. 
because, and it says here that he endured the cross for the joy set before him. In other words, he endured the pain. He stayed under the pressure because he was thinking about bringing salvation to you and I. He was thinking about the joy that he would experience in watching people get reconnected with God. He endured for that reason. He kept his eye on the joy. So the passage says he refused to bail out because he knew what would be accomplished by his endurance, by staying under the pressure. Hebrews 12.2 says, Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. If you hang in there under the pressure, God has an opportunity to work through you to fulfill his purpose in the different arenas in which you're experiencing pressure. If you bail, he'll fulfill his purpose, but you'll miss out on it. He's faithful to fill his purpose in the world. But if you hang in there, God wants you to have a good story to tell from this season of life. Ruth's story continued beyond her lifetime to the generations that followed. Ruth was the great-grandmother of King David. It's interesting, she's a Moabite, one of the enemies of Israel. But she was the great-grandmother of the greatest king in the history of Israel. King David. He was the one through whom the Messiah, Jesus, was born. It was his line. So basically her line is the one through whom the Messiah was born. Jesus came. Ruth is one of four women listed in the genealogy of Jesus. Now this was totally not done in this day. You always listed the men and they, they, who, who, their children. And you follow the genealogy that way. But she's one of four women listed in the genealogy, genealogy of Jesus. And if she would have bailed under the pressure, her story would have been much less significant. We would not be talking about her story. We would not be retelling it. And she would have missed out on that opportunity. This is how it works. Where are you feeling the most pressure in your life right now? In your marriage? Parenting your kids? In a friendship? Do you feel buried at work? Is there a ministry project that's weighing on you? Often the best decision that you can make is to stay when it would be easier to go. If you decide to stay to put your faith in God, to be faithful where you're planted. God can work for you. He, he can provide for your needs, give strength to do his will. He can work in you. He can grow your character. He can change you as you stay under the pressure. He can build steadfastness in you. And then he can work through you to fulfill his purpose. God puts you right where you are to fulfill his purpose through you. If you bail, he can't do that. In a moment, we're going to receive our offering.
I'd like to ask you, if you would, to please uh, finish filling out the front of the connection card if you haven't done so yet. On the back side, there are some next steps, and uh, they're related to what I've been talking about. And There's only one, and then there's one for you to fill out. My next step today is stay in a tough situation and ask God for help. So maybe God spoke to you through the message, and your decision is, I'm going to stay in this situation. I'm going to find out what God wants, how he wants me to respond, what he wants me to do, and then I'm going to ask him to help me do what pleases him. That's, that's my decision today. And then I, I left one blank there just for you. Whatever God said to you, uh, you, you want to step out and do that as well. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that really does set us free from, from our our native tendencies and counterproductive ways of thinking and habits. I pray, God, that you would free us more and more as we choose to follow you, that you would give us the strength to do what you've laid on our heart to do as we have listened to this message this morning and as we step out into the week. God, we ask for your help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.